One Time Run Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome. I'm Jesse Corey, co-founder and CEO of One Time Run. On November 1st of 2020, we celebrated our 10-year anniversary of publishing. And to commemorate this moment, I'm sitting down with several of the artists that have helped shape our story and history. Today's guest is Luke Chu, who was born in Philadelphia, but raised in Fresno and studied graphic design and started his career at the Ernie Ball Company, where he worked as an in-house designer and illustrator. And in 2003, Luke moved to Los Angeles and got his start showing his art in the underground scene, specifically in the Cannonball Flower Art Shows. Since then, Luke has quickly worked his way up the ranks of the LA art community, establishing himself as an artist not to be ignored, employing minimal color schemes, simple animal characters, and an endless list of ill-fated situations. Chu stylistically balances cute with brute, walking the fine line between comedy and tragedy. For our 10-year anniversary, we dove back into our archives and found four unique paintings from Luke's solo show at our former gallery, Interstate, and put together a portfolio to commemorate the years of collaborations that we have shared together. Let's listen into the conversation. Okay, we're back. Uh, we're here. I'm here at the One Time Run Studios behind me, not in my home home office today. And I'm here with Luke Chu, a longtime collaborator, uh, been a fan of your work before we worked together. We have done many, many projects together. So I want to welcome you and thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Jesse. It's an honor to be here, man. Congratulations on 10 years. Oh, thank you, man. It's, it's, it's good. So, you know, we were kind of uh, catching up right before and we were just kind of talking about um, all the times you've been to Detroit and, you know, being kind of an L.A. native, um, just kind of joking about the weather and, and being cold. But, um, you know, all jokes aside, like we've done a lot of projects here in Detroit. Um, yeah. uh, what was some of your favorites? Um, you know, I have had the great fortune. Uh, let me start by saying that one of the reasons why I started working with One X Run was because I saw that you guys were located in Detroit. And when I think of Detroit, I think of, well, the first thing I think of is techno. And being a big fan of electronic music, I'm like, oh, Detroit, like that's a that's an important city. <laughs> like I don't have any connections in Detroit, so I want like so I was like, you know, I, I looked over the roster of artists that you worked with, and I was like, oh, like you got you got some like you know good like serious names in here. So I, I I want in on this, and in the hopes that one of these days it would like build up to something where I would have the opportunity to come out to Detroit and you know, work with you guys, you know, face to face, which it has, um, you know, from the solo show that we did with Interstate Gallery uh, to the both of the uh, murals in the market, like, and then like, we've, we've even had me come out once just to like, you know, like the you had you back when you in the older space, you had used to have an artist loft that you would um, invite artists to kind of like stay at and when it came to like, like the deeper collaborations where like that we were like, you know, um, like embellishing print, hand embellishing prints on the spot and stuff. Um, I, I can't even um, like choose between any of those is because each one of them like, like kind of opened my eyes to something new about the city, about Michigan and about Detroit 
And I just loved being around you guys. Every time I, you know, spend time with you guys, I, I feel like I learned something and, um, and it just kind of like tightened the connection that you, your one X run and I had. And, um, you know, I, I'm grateful for every opportunity. I, I'm hoping that, you know, another opportunity for me to come on out will come up soon. You know, well, you keep, like you keep in the winter. joining me on the podcast and doing these video chats. You know, I'll owe you one. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, I no, think... You're, you're going to have to do my podcast next, Jesse. You know that. So. Well, I'll, I'll have to do that live and in person in L.A. Oh, that would be great. That would be great. Though we aren't, unfortunately, doing that now because of the pandemic. 2020 has been quite a year, you know, so... Anyways, well, it's cool. You know, I think, you know, um, you know, having moving to, um, you know, these these um, video chats and stuff, I, I find that it's um, given us opportunities to create some deeper bonds where um, we only kind of saw each other, you know, when when you we did travel or we had an exhibition. So we're able to kind of like, you know, spend more time together in 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 a virtual um, capacity. But um, I want to talk a little bit about some of the times in Detroit that I thought were kind of memorable. Mm -hmm. um, when we opened Interstate Gallery and uh, you came out to work on your exhibition that we had there, um, you stayed in our artist in residency, which was really awesome. Yeah. The, the biggest takeaway was not only that you um, worked hard and you were a great collaborator, but um, the way that you interacted with the public, um, you know, maybe local people that were not necessarily fans of your art, but that became fans. Um, uh, you know, Rula, my wife and I, she would, she would always mention um, to me, man, Luke always has people over and he's always so nice to them. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that is interesting about, um, about your success is that I feel like that you treat everybody the same and you're, you give them all time and you're kind to them. Didn't we do a, a, a signing, a book, a print signing at the, um, at the LA art book fair a couple years back mm -hmm. too. And it was the right. same thing. It's like you took time and you were caring, you, you took care and consideration. Um, I mean, where does that come from? Why is that important to you? And, and how, how is that kind of like a part of your life? Um, I, I would probably assume that my upbringing, like, you know, kind of did that, was part of that. But I think more even than that is, you know, I'm working, I, I don't have a, a art school, like background. I never went to a fancy art college or anything like that. And I don't feel any entitlement to being a working artist, you know, and I'm always kind of like, I, I'm not going to say that this is my main motivation. I think my main motivation is just, you know, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated, you know, show appreciation for the people who take the time to come out and express their appreciation for what you do. But the thing is, is that there's also the, the fact that like, look, you know, all of this can be taken away from you, like, like with what, with what feels like a drop of the hat. And I have had moments where I felt like my career was on rocky footing, you know, like with the recession and with um, other like, you know, kind of like twists and turns in my career. And um, it has taught me to appreciate the fact that, like, you know, like, your fans are important to you. Your colleagues are important. 
you know, the people that you work with are important. And like, I can understand, I know like some artists get kind of jaded, you know, because they feel like their success was theirs alone, you know, but the thing is, is that like, <laughs> I wish it was that simple it, because, you know, like, to get to where you're, you are, if you're able to make a living with your art and with your, uh, um, you, there are a lot of people out there who have been instrumental in building that up. And if you can't realize that, then you're just a narcissist and you need to get over yourself pretty quick because those same people that built you up can take that down, you know, just as quick. And, um, uh, you know, I'm grateful for the fact that so many people have, uh, you know, will take the time to, you know, come out, wait in line, and, um, and, you know, exp tell me like a little story about like how what my work means to them, and it's uh, it's always very flattering and it's very touching. You know, I'm, I I'll, can speak, you know, quite frankly, like when it comes to. Like there's a there's a hierarchy when it comes to like you know artists and you know when another artist has achieved much greater things in their career than you have, and I will like look up at them and I will be incredibly intimidated by them and like rather than come up walk up to them and introduce myself and tell them how much you know their work means to me I'll get really shy and I will like you know walk away and like these are people that have been able to you know mostly overcome, you know, there's, you know, whatever, like, feelings of insecurity they might have and take the time to, like, approach you and, like, you know, and, 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 and you know, to talk to you and, like, sheesh, like, I, if the shoe were on the foot, were on the other foot for me, I would have a hard time doing that. So, you know, it's, it's the least I can do. It's interesting because I always thought that it's good to hear, I, I mean, I, I always kind of wonder where that motivation comes from. And, you know, that you talk about narcissism and being humble and being appreciative and all that stuff. And okay, that, that makes perfect sense because, you know, um, it does take a significant amount of ego and um, a, a lot of risk to put yourself out there and be vulnerable to criticism or to critique mm -hmm. um, or even like, you know, putting an exhibition together and being um, doing it in seclusion and then coming out. And it's like there's hundreds of people there. I mean, like just all of those effects of just, you know, from um, having your first art show to having your uh, a museum retrospective. It's the same, you know, kind of process and intensity. Um, <laughs> But, you know, one of the things that I saw, saw was fascinating about our collaboration is like, I feel very fortunate because uh, we've been working together since pretty much the, you know, three, three or four months into when we started publishing Art Prints. Um, but I feel like we've been one of your partners in, in this journey together. And you have so many partners. You have a couple <laughs> distinct ones that you work with on an ongoing basis, but you have different partners that you utilize um, across different mediums for different resources, right? And I, I think right. you were kind of explaining to me, you know, working with um, people, you know, domestically and overseas and how, all that. But maybe you can just kind of touch on, like, how do you manage that? Uh, how, how do you, and I know it's a lot of work, and sometimes, uh, you know, you're, you, it takes a little bit more time to, to, fo to follow up on something because I know you're, you're inundated with projects. And, mm -hmm. they, and you're a great art director, 
mm-hmm. um, as you're explaining to me how you want to, you know, make adjustments to how we're going to clean up the file on a print. I mean, that's right. like really key, right? So you're yeah. not doing that with us. You're doing that with multiple projects and they're all maturation periods take different amounts of time. Can you just talk about like your relationships um, and, and, and how you utilize these kind of different um, partnerships and publishing um, partnerships to, you know, kind of build your repertoire, kind of build your, beyond your contemporary or fine art career. It's like, you know, this is kind of like spreads into multiples and um, sculptural editions and things of that nature. Sure, sure. Um, I think the company I'm probably, you know, best known for, for when it comes to like collectibles, like toys and stuff like that is Monkey King. They're based out of Los Angeles. And it, they just happened to be the company that I had first that, that had, you know, it was actually the second company that reached out to me that uh, about uh, working together. And uh, Patrick, the owner of Monkey King, he started off as a retailer and then kind of evolved into being a producer. Um, they're a Los Angeles based brand and they have, you know, you know, he, um, you know, I've, you know, worked with him now probably longer than like probably anybody, um, consistently for like over the, for over, gosh, I don't know how many years it's been. Like, like I've, I think I met him when I was still doing warehouse art show parties, you know, and we, you know, um, and I think the thing is, is that like, when I find a, a company that is enthusiastic about my work, who treats me well, who is willing to put up with my shit, because I'm, I know I'm not exactly the easiest person to work with. I sometimes need prodding to like, you know, turn my attention to certain projects and um, like, and like it will, you know, make the adjustments as I uh, request or will give me a logical reason why certain things can't be done, you know, um, and will help me understand the parameters of a certain project. They, you know, I mean, that's kind of an important thing. Like there, I mean, if you make it sound like I'm like constantly juggling like a, a lot of projects at once, but really it's a lot about time management. You know, in the sense that, like, yeah, I do toys, but I don't do. I'm not like inundating like the the market with a toy every couple months. I'm like, I'll, I'll have a project that like will take. You know, projects take me like a year to come to fruition, uh, from to create drawing turnarounds to creating um, prototypes to doing paint masters to, you know making adjustments at the factory to like coming, you know, then like waiting the three months it takes to take a slow boat from China to the United States. Um, and it's, um, you know, because, and you know, they like, like fortunately, like one of the great things about working with a, 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 a company that is familiar enough with my work, is they will be able to kind of come in and like and not bother me when I'm working on my other things and go and realize like this is wrong, this is wrong, and this is wrong, and then like send um, contact the factory, let them know, and then they'll bring up they'll bring back something that's even closer to what they know I um, mm-hmm. would, would want. 
Um, with working with, you know, say you with you guys, like I, the fact that, you know, you guys will, will reach out and will, um, you know, kind of go like, Hey, you know, we have, we, we were like, we are expanding on like different projects. We we were working with a, a company that does this kind of, you know, medium and this materials and, you know, like, how do you feel about this? Like, you know, you're a lot of probably a lot of times, you know, you guys are, will come and like propose ideas to me. And if it makes sense to me, then we'll explore it. And, um, you know, I think that's a good part of it is that like, there's a lot of like outreach between like the companies and myself. Once in a while, I will have a project like um, that, like kind of plays around in some hazy kind of, um, I don't know, like realms of possible legality. Like um, I did this, I'm, pro I'm, I'm known for doing this Boba Fett with a Boba tea kind of um, piece. And I have a friend who owns a company who does a lot of like who's a big Star Wars fan and he does and he does work that kind of like plays around in that hazy like line of like is this like you know crossing copyright like you know kind of things and he's in Asia and so I'm like you know let's 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 send the the, the project to him to 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 work with and uh so like and and like he has also like done me right like I think that's the the, the most important thing is like does the company treat me well? Does the company listen to what I have to say and respect what I have to say? And finally, like, you know, do they, do they pay me? <laughs> Which is kind of like, you know, a big deal. <laughs> and, yeah, and, the thing. and, you know, obviously I'm, I'm here chatting with you after, about a decade of working together. So, you know, it means that like you've been, I, it means that I acknowledge the fact that you've been fair to me and, you know, we've worked closely together on a lot of different projects of, you know, varying degrees of success and some super successful, some, you know, a little experimental, you know, but like, you know, and like does, doesn't pan out as great. And, but you, we still get back together again and start and, and, and try and keep trying and, hammering things out you know uh we have a plate project coming out that was one of the things that i'm uh i'm very excited about you know uh tune in and for december <laughs> when yeah, we, you know um uh but like um yeah i think that you know the it's all about professionalism at the end despite my sometimes complete lack of <laughs> So, well, it's fair enough. I mean, I think when you, it's interesting because if, you know, so first off, I remember, you know, you know, we were sitting in the back office of our first gallery, 323 East, and uh, we had a small little office and we started releasing art prints and, you know, um, Glenn Bard, he was like the, the second or third release that we did. And he was a local artist and he really kind of gave us, um, you know, gave us some, um, credibility right yeah. um and especially with la artists because he had done so much work in la and he had shown with billy shire gallery and la luz de jesus and he was so it was like oh okay like you know um 
obviously people artists in LA knew his name, although he was a Detroit based artist. So um, that right. kind of gave us an opportunity that we didn't real we knew that it was important. And we had already done an exhibition with Glenn in our gallery. Mm -hmm. um, and so when we launched um, One Time Run and and um, and he decided to do one of the first um, print releases, it was like, you know, that was kind of our, gave us an opportunity. Was, his name her. was one of the names that like, like pricked my, my eyes when I, when I saw like, I think the two, there was two names that I saw on the roster before, like when you sent me an invitation and those names were Glenn Barr and Tara McPherson and that, and like both of those artists are of, you know, very solid reputations, you know, and like big presences in Los Angeles. And so I was like, I'm in. You know, uh, <laughs> like um, uh, I, I mean, obviously, I'd worked with a bunch of other artists, but like I, I think a lot of them were artists that I wasn't as familiar with. But like you know, those two, like you know, and actually, what was great was I remember the first time I came out to Detroit, I had uh, Glenn. Bar you you had like a at the time you guys were doing like um, like kind of like I think it was like a barbecue or a grill thing uh, you know uh, uh, you know at the the back of the the, the yeah it was called barbecue and, yeah barbecued artist yeah and glenn and his wife our significant other was there and i i got to meet him for the first time and i was totally like oh my god it's, it's glenn Barr. <laughs> like you know he's 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 a legend in my eyes so so I but, just looked it up, but your, so your release, the Inside Out was the first release we did. It was in March of 2011. Um, it's yeah. run number 17. Wow. So it was the 17th print. So we, we primarily released a print every Monday. So you would have mm -hmm. been 17 Mondays in, which we started November 1st um, mm -hmm. uh, of, of 2010. And then, um, so I want to tell you, so, you know, we sat in our little back office and, uh, you know, we, we sent emails to people that we were we were fans of, which obviously like you treated me like the fans I saw you treat in my studio many mm. years later. Um, we obviously had a little bit of credibility because we were working with um, Glenn and Tara um, decided to do a print with us, too. Um, but, you know, one time run at that time was like it was a fun new idea and people were really into it. And mm. so I think there's a lot to be said about that. It was fresh because you know, I, I know at some point you get inundated with requests and, mm -hmm. and, and maybe it ebbs and flows. Mm -hmm. So we're sitting there, you know, we sold out a couple of prints, uh, you know, there's low editions. And I remember yours was an edition of 60 and uh, the site actually broke and we actually oversold it in eight <laughs> minutes. And I remember I, I called you and I was, I was a little nervous because you know, publishing and honor and trust and the numbers, like all those things are like super important to having credibility, like with right. you, with the collectors, all that stuff. And I remember we oversold by like nine. And I was like, oh shit, do we refund them? But I don't know, like we need the money. Like, I don't know, it was really, it was so exciting, but yet so confusing. And I called you and you're like, you know what, it's okay. You know, uh, you, I think we'll just sell them our, our, our artist proofs or we'll make a couple extra artist proofs and we'll just put it on the COA and it'll be, it'll be fair for everybody. Cause I don't want to like refund these people, these eight or nine people. So I remember how important that was for us is that we were learning lessons uh, about more than just the print or the relationship, but our relationship with the publishing and our relationship with 
collectors. And I mean, now at this point, I think we would have to just, we wouldn't be as nervous. We'd probably just tell people, I'm sorry, the site broke and it oversold. Um, but, uh, but you're really well, when you're um, starting like, yeah, like there's, it, there's a lot of question marks, right? Like, wh- sure. how is this going to play out? Like, you know, what, like something's got to give, you know, and you know, what are we going to do? And, you know, especially like year one, like, geez, like, you know, that's, <laughs> that's a, that, that is a, that, that is a lot of pressure on, on, on the, the, the company, you know, I, I'm glad that I was, uh, I was easygoing enough to, to kind of like alleviate the situation and make it, you know, work out at the end. No, You're like, here we go. I'll guide you through this. Uh, but I think that's that's really kind of how we've approached all these projects. You know, it was really fun when we 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 first started murals in the market. I I think our first year was 2015, and uh, you know we kind of went through like, all right, who have we done all these cool great projects with, and would they come out, and can we get all of these people together at once? Because every buddy that we work with is always like, I want to come to Detroit. It's just one of those places, right? It's got this rich history of music and manufacturing and, you know, um, you know, the, 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 the decrepit buildings and all of that. There's like, there's this kind of like, you know, real kind of interesting intrigue about Detroit. So everybody's like, I want to come out there. So when we put together a mural festival, we said, uh, well, why don't we just invite everybody who's asked us to come out here who we've done you know a couple of projects with and we'll like we'll create this like a summer camp mm-hmm. and so uh you ended up painting a mural it was one of your f- I, I remember you painted it i told mural. you yeah. you say it's your first mural but i remember in miami one year that you guys painted the outside of oh that one building <laughs> let's let's not talk about for that. art wine <laughs> yeah i remember that i think I remember woes was there and and you guys were jamming and so i knew and i didn't know you at that time but i just saw you guys painting and i was like i know he knows how to paint a mural and i mm-hmm. when i asked you you're like i never painted a mural and i was like hey remember that time in winwood <laughs> it was the first and last I, right like I've always wanted to like try and paint, but it was what was interesting, especially about murals in the market was it was the first time I ever used cans. Like I, um, because like the wall that you gave me, which was a great wall, it was a north facing wall, which was perfect for me because it means the sun is never really like beating down on me. And then like, but the thing is, is that the wall was all brick and mortar. And like you know, to pry, to paint a brick and mortar like wall with with brushes, it's just going to like it's like hi, I want to kill myself, you know. I'm going to, <laughs> happen, I'm going yeah. to, you know. But and so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to um, do, uh, you know, you have all the spray paint here, like um, let you guys uh, spray paint sponsorship. So I'm going to try and you know use cans for the first time and. I decided to redo um, soundtrack to my life because of the fact that, like Detroit, is a is infamous for being the cradle for electronic Detroit style electronic music. You know, Detroit techno, which I'm a big fan of, and you know, so I wanted to do a music related theme and. Um, it was it was so much fun. It, it was such a fun, um, um, you know, experience. I, I met so many like great local artists that I'm still friends with today, like Fell Three Thousand and is it Three Thousand? Yeah, Fell, yeah. Fell yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Ghostbeard is 
you know, like uh, another local hero of, um, of Detroit. And like, I met so many other artists through there, like artists that I like, and, you know, even with the second one, like I still see artists from that I met there uh, on the streets. And we always like, you know, like are very friendly with each other. And it was, a, it was a great event. And like, we, you know, you did like, there was like the, the, you know, the slow roll through Detroit with, you know, which um, I loved. And then there's the art park, um, which like is always just fun to, to experience. Um, If you're into like, like, you know, like, like graffiti and like, you know, reappropriated junkyards into like, you know, sculpture kind of um, places. It's, um, (laughs) You know, Detroit is. Wait, explain Detroit. that again. Reappropriating, <laughs> like junkyards, transformed into artistic, sculptural kind of stuff. Like that's that's how I remember it. Am I am I right? Like you know, or say I think it was like the like a, I think it's a recycling plant, right? That got is reappropriated into kind of like a yeah, it's, it's our it's a, it's an independently run recycling center for detroit and the and artists get first dibs on things that are recycled and then they have an art park that is all sculptures made out of recycled material that was dropped off at the recycle center but i love how you contextualize it because there's so much about detroit that is so unique and our art parks because land is like plentiful our art parks are one of our most unique things and i think it's the one thing that people remember the most you know you have heidelberg project you have dabbles embed african bead museum you know you have like people making art in like you know just lots in the middle of town so um super cool yeah, the Heidelberg project's great. Like that, that that was one of the things that like, and the guy who who does it is so friendly and like you, you know, with the um, the murals, murals in the market events, you know, you're able to time it so that he is there and is able to kind of talk a little bit about like his philosophy behind it. And yeah, it was it's great. Like it's it's definitely one of those things that like you know I I still when I think of. Um, and I, of course, the the market, like the the Eastern Market, is just one of those places that, like, I think very fondly of. Like, um, there's that one place that does the sandwiches and soups. I don't. Russell I heard Street Deli. Russell Street Deli. Is it still? It's still around, isn't it? No, closed. Yeah. Come they on, had, the best places don't last forever. Man, they had they had this one like vegetarian like kale soup that I always referred to as dirt soup because like first bite has this really earthy quality to it <laughs> and uh, that and the avocado sandwich. Now well, that's those are things that I'm just never going to be able to like you know that I, I will mourn for now that I know that they're gone. Um, anyways but like the and the the eastern market though with like all the the graffiti and um the the murals like i still think about i i saw a photo of and i still think about this amazing like nichos and persue uh mural that was right across from the red bull um it's that it used to be right around the corner of my first mural and um we're seeing that. And those, I, I think that was kind of like one of my introductions to both Persuade and Nichos. And I was just like, whoa, like this thing is crazy. And then coincidentally, Persuade was at that. Um, was he at that? Yeah, he was at that first mm-hmm. Mills in the Market. And, yeah. and like we became like, you know, friends, you know, from that event. He's a great guy. Great guy. He's, if you- 
if you think about it, like when you think about the mural festival and I always told it the story like this, when we first did it, I felt like we all got on the same boat and we rode it in the same direction for 10 days and we all mm -hmm. got off at the same time right. and think listening to you um, talk about it and reflecting. I mean, we did the mural festival for five years. We didn't do it this year because of the pandemic, but, um, and, and we may, we may or may not do it again. It just doesn't, we don't know, right? It's an unknown, but that five years is like encapsulated in this moment of time. Um, mm -hmm. but I think like what really drives, what drove my motivation share a little bit with you is that, um, well, we wanted to do something in our neighborhood. We wanted to paint murals and we thought we wanted to bring our community, our friends together in Detroit, but really what we were building unbeknownst to us was community, right? Sure. We're Absolutely. building a community like you're talking about Ghostbeard or Fell or any of these artists that you have a relationship with. Well, that's mm -hmm. your single experience. What about the Fell's experience or Ghostbeard's experience and, and Ghostbeard painting the mural festival many times? Like, and mm -hmm. what is that? What does their sphere look like and these other sphere? And if we took these Venn diagrams, kept on drawing them, like mm -hmm. we all intersect in some way. And um, it felt really awesome to be able to throw put that together. And it wasn't like, who are the biggest, baddest mural painters that paint the biggest, most epic murals? It was like, who are people that we like spending time with that we've done all these cool projects with and how do we bring them to Detroit? And like you said, we could take it. There's like a, a tour and you know, the Heidelberg project and Tyree Guyton, the creator of it's there. And he talked to you and we go to the African bee museum and dabbles is there to give you a little bit of his story. And we went to all these cool, unique places over the years. And, um, and I really learned that, you know, from Jasper Wong and, and Kamea and grass from powwow because um, going to powwow and, uh, taught, uh, they would take everybody on these tours of these, of, of Oahu, and they would show us, you know, these epic places where, you know, very cultural, significantly moments happened or, um, something historic. So I was like, Oh, Detroit, I got it. Like I got the tour in the bag. Right. <laughs> um, but that was the sense of like sharing a little bit of myself with, with you and everybody else. But I think, yeah, I mean, thinking back on it, like, you know, I feel really lucky because, you know, you and I have spent a lot of times having a conversation just like we're having today. Cool mm -hmm. thing is we can share this with the public because right. there's many nights that we sat in that loft while you worked and you came to Detroit and we talked mm -hmm. about Detroit techno. We talked about community. We talked about your fans. We talked about how the ups and downs, the joys of life, um, being creative, being scared, um, you know, uh, overcoming fears and all that. Um, all those things, you know, if you wrap them all up, tie a bow on them and put a, put a big one zero, um, that's what 10 years of friendship is, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And 10 years of working together and like just talking about things beyond just the work, the scope of work, um, you know, talking about like, you know, like projects that, with other artists and like, you know, and then just like, you know, especially just being in Detroit, like the, um, you know, like the the art is literally on the walls, <laughs> and you know you can you can walk around like you know from downtown to the Eastern Market. There is just so much to to see, so much like you know, um, you know mural work, and like uh, it is, um, it, it it is you know, and then like you know, there's just like. It's as much as it is that there's an art culture, there's also a food culture there. And like that, like really resonates with me as well. Like, you know, um, 
you know, the, 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 the dueling Coney dogs, you know, <laughs> in, in, um, what was it? Lafayette, yeah, Lafayette and American. American. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can honestly say like, I really can't tell a difference, but like, you know, but I definitely like the atmosphere of Lafayette more. So, you know, that's the one. Yeah. Lafayette's the one that's like, Kind of the more hole in the wall place. Yeah, yeah. more hole in the wall place. What's interesting? I mean, we talked a lot about the past, but um, why don't we just talk about like what's happening now in the future? Like, um, sure. I don't know. Bring me up to speed. Uh, how's pandemic been? What are you working on? Um, you know, have have you? You know, what what do you see twenty twenty one kind of looking like? Well, the pandemic was like kind of a shock to the system. I, I feel like um, you know. I was originally this summer, I was supposed to be doing a, a major exhibition in Manila, uh, in the Philippines and, you know, in June <laughs> and obviously like no one was traveling anywhere, um, um, in June. Um, so I had to scramble. Um, and so I like, you know, fortunately, like, you know, we had already planned out like some print releases, um, like, I think by second for, for summer, which like kind of helped, uh, help me out. But like, I had to, like, I was basically taking group shows as they were coming, uh, as the invitations were coming. And then like, in order to compensate for the loss of the Manila event, I like talked to my buddy, um, Eric, uh, from giant robot. And, you know, he, he and I like usually curate a show, um, with our, my friend, Sarah Joe at his space, it's a food theme show, um, which is a very appropriate for the area he lives in. He lives um, his um, galleries on this street called Sautel in Los Angeles, which is notorious for having like a bazillion places to eat on. Um, but and the, I think we uh, ate at one of them the last time I was in L.A. Um, right. You took me to one of your spots over there. Uh, did I? I might you have. Um, I probably took you to get ramen or something like that. <laughs> that's just because it, that's it's, it, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it's it, it, it is quite the uh, it is, is this little like right. five block you know like area, but like it is swarming with people usually. Um, but like so, I like quickly threw together um, like over the summer a show over there, which did pretty good and. You know, it's uh, it's it's been a trying kind of year, you know, and uh, but like I'm still afloat, I'm still being able, I'm still able to pay rent in my apartment, which is, you know, like I'm I I feel lucky. I'm 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 really glad that like the art market like ha- it started off. Pr- I think it started off pretty rough for everyone, you know, but like just because of the complete uncertainty of things, but like you know. St- People are still supporting the arts. People are still collecting. People are, you know, and I feel very lucky that um, I haven't had to, like, you know, pack up and move back in with my mom or something like that, you know, over uh, over all of this. And, um, you know, we, you, you, with, I'm, we're still planning out projects, you know, uh, together, which has been, you know, great. And I'm... Uh, you know, glad that like, you know, you guys are still hanging in there after all of this, you know, as well. I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, things kind of open up, you know, or things kind of finally come, I'm I'm hoping some closure will happen soon, you know, uh, with, with this entire like moment, 
Um, you know, it's uh, it's it's been quite a year. I don't think anyone was really expecting 2020 to kind of become you know what it has. So you know, I no. it's, yeah. You know, but like I've got a, I'm working on a solo show right now for Corey Holford Gallery, uh, which will be opening in the end of February, and uh, I've got some toy projects that I'm also working on with Monkey King that will hopefully come to fruition in 2021 as well, and um, obviously we, you and I have um some print releases we are we're actually reached back to my um um my uh, my uh damaged goods show with uh from uh to celebrate the 10 year anniversary show with a, a small print series um of these I, I i didn't even realize that i had done this but I, apparently i had done a series of these floating bear head pieces and they're all like done like in very distinct and kind of like weird like like um like this weird series like and i kind of feel like when i look at them now i feel like they all kind of explore certain aspects of my what i do stylistically like one of them is this wounded you know bare head which is you know definitely of like that wounded kind of like work that I do. Another one is this more a splattery version, which like kind of borrows from that, like the more textural kind of work that I do. Another one is like a Hello Kitty kind of version, which like leans toward the pop thing that I do. And another one is this bare head, like covered in tattoos, almost like graffiti, like all over its face, which also lends to like that re like this, like rebellious counterculture aspect of myself so i kind of feel like these four heads that we are doing it kind of celebrates like different aspects of the kind of work that i do um kind of neatly packaged into like one print thing and then like a, um i alluded to uh we for december we've got a print series uh, on plates of the revenge is a dish series that I did. Um, it, and a little story about that. Uh, do, do, do you mind me g- yeah, getting please. into this? So uh, it started with a painting I did called I Asked for Scrambled for a, um, I did this like super early in my career. I think it was literally the fourth painting I had done in Los Angeles. And it's this painting for a show that like, kind of gave me my beginning called Cannibal Flower. And mm-hmm. it has a chicken you know is sitting at a table with a plate of eggs which is the cannibal aspect and there's actually like a little um like a vase with a flower in it which is the you know the flower and cannibal and flower and um i think they were celebrating their third year anniversary so there are like three eggs on the table there's the two in the plate and the third one is the egg-shaped vase um, little did I realize like what kind of impact that painting would have, but it was being bootlegged in Japan on two t-shirts and the, that design created this entire spin-off of all these other variations on that design by other artists, maybe at the t-shirt company, like, you know, a cow with like a <laughs> steak, you know, and a dog with a hot dog and a pig with a 
pork cutlet tonkatsu and like other like anime characters and the same kind of thing. And after seeing that and like realizing there was not much I could do because I just, you know, I, I was a both flattered and b both kind of like um, annoyed because like at first when I saw the bootleg versions of my shirt, I was like, Oh my gosh, someone's actually like, you know, bootlegging my shit. And then like, but then when I saw all these other variations, I was like, holy shit, someone is bootlegging my shit and is being very successful at it <laughs> because they are like, it has spawned all these other offshoots. And so basically knowing that I just didn't have the money to like hire an international lawyer to go in there and basically like, you know, and, and, and shut it down, I figured the only thing I could really do was I looked at all these variations and I chose the three that I thought were the best designs and i just stole them i was just like you know fuck you i'm going to repaint your designs you know and (laughs) maybe tweak them a little bit just so that they kind of feel a little bit more western like i took the the pork cutlet tonkatsu and replaced it with a ham steak um and then with the dog and the hot dog which was one of their designs what i did was i put ketchup on the hot dog and i i don't know what it's like in detroit but i know it's this way in chicago but you don't put ketchup on a hot dog (laughs) you know it's it's not ketchup on hot dogs here yeah okay thank god and so the tragedy the real tragedy of the piece uh is that there's a dog sitting with a hot dog with ketchup on it and a ketchup bottle sitting on the table. It's a very subtle, like, you know, like hot dog story because most people put ketchup on their hot dogs. And I think, you know, those people are animals, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the, the tragedy is the ketchup on the hot dog. And um, so I, ch- I, I took those paintings. I have, um, I st- repainted them, sold those paintings. I have like done paper prints of them, like with a company that does open edition prints that like, you know, are like, you know, just to kind of get back at them. And now we're doing this limited edition plate set, which is the most appropriate way of presenting these images, um, you know, as an entire series. And I'm very excited about, I've seen the prototypes uh, and they're gorgeous. I think they're like going to, do great and i'm really excited about this release so wait we're saying that you were bootlegged and then they made iterations of your image as they're not necessarily bootlegs at that point they just become iterations then right. you took the iterations yeah. then you re-illustrated them and stole their idea so it's gone one full cycle right okay. yes perfect exactly i mean you know <laughs> that's, I'm a why, fan. that's why the, the series is called revenge is a dish <laughs> so there it is you know, i yeah. am a fan of of uh well i mean bootlegging is obviously um has its pros and cons um and and, and mostly more cons but um i'm a really big fan of buying the bootlegs and oh, yeah. um, creating an archive of the bootlegs because i mean sometimes they're off that's what right, i've been doing right on i i've been collecting my bootlegs uh and so i think like that's it you know be, yeah what do you got there you want to see the okay so 
this is something that I had just seen uh, this weekend that like uh, a friend of mine showed me. Like these are toilet paper <laughs> dispensers of my a toy that I did called Bruised Lee. It's my bear wearing the classic uh, Game of Death Bruce Lee jumpsuit, and what you can do is here. Let me see the let me see the next image. So yeah, you can see, what the toilet- see here, like the head opens up, and what you do is you take <laughs> the cardboard out of the toilet paper roll, and then you feed the the toilet paper from the center through the head of the the top of the bear, and now you can just pull toilet tissue out of the top of the head. Apparently, like. <laughs> I just was, I just saw this for um, this weekend, and like I'm trying my damnedest to order a handful of them for myself before I put them on blast on social media. I mean, absolutely. You know, um, I think that's fun. You know, I mean, look, there's nothing you can do. It's it's just an iteration. It's a flattery. Um, but yeah, getting your hands on them is like super critical. I think that's something that people often overlook. Um, you know, I think I want to like talk about. Um, you know, I think about your work in a lot of ways, and you know, I, it, so I maybe people realize it, maybe they don't realize it, maybe it's um, it's subconscious, but uh, it's very personal, right? And yes. um, and and. And do you think that because you're vulnerable within your work um, uh, and in this, you know, conversations that we have like this, it's not very vulnerable. It's kind of very mechanics. It's like how things work and it's matter of fact, and that's all good. And I'm not trying to go and, and, and open, you know, peel the onion back in a neat way. I'm just saying like, do you think that people understand that your work is vulnerable and a lot of it's, you know, stories that you feel are self-reflective or do you think inertly they just feel that your work is emotional and they connect to it? You were talking earlier about fans that come up and share stories with you, but mm-hmm. you find that people connect to these characters or situations because of the vulnerability? Maybe. Um, I think it, it, it varies. Um, I, like, okay. This is something that I was reflecting on somewhat recently, and um, I think it, it just comes like this. It comes out like this: when I look at myself, I see myself as an average guy who I'm not a genius. I'm not some like ubermensch super talent or anything like that. I'm just like happen to like I'm just a normal guy who goes through things. And um, I share my experiences through my characters. Um, And um, I like to think that a lot of the things that I've experienced are universal to a certain degree. Um, And because, uh, you know, like, I don't feel like I'm experiencing things in some weird, extraordinary way. I'm, I'm experiencing them as a normal person, you know, and like, because of that, like my work, I think has a certain universal appeal to it. Like everyone goes through things, everyone goes through ups and everyone goes through downs. And I just happen to really fixate on the downs. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, where are the happy bears? Like, I haven't, I haven't seen too many party bears. There's plenty of party bears. They're just not on my end. Uh, the thing you just need to look out there, and you're going to see plenty of like really feel good stuff out there. But like, you know, uh, but at the same time, like, you know, I, I like to think that my my work also kind of like 
illustrates like these darker moments in a playful kind of way sometimes in a way that is approachable and mm. um you know is like you know brings light to the fact that like yeah like there's nothing wrong with feeling sad and lonely and down you know it's part of being human it's it's because of those feelings that you can you can understand you realize when things are good and things are are going great you know and um it, it helps you appreciate the good you know and uh you know my work is always like this study in contrast i like to think um you know the con the contrast is you have like this cute you know character that you can that like is inviting you like see it and you're like oh look it's like this fun like you know cute cartoonish kind of character but then it, it's you, you complement it with like this kind of heavier like darker kind of narrative and then it like and, and you're like oh wow okay huh, <laughs> you know, and my work is not as dark as it used to be, but that's mo mainly because, like, I have, you know, I'm a, re you know, I'm com proud to say that I'm a recovering addict, and, you know, a lot of the work that I created in the first, you know, seven years of my career were of me living that, like, the self-destructive addict lifestyle, and I'm happy to say that I'm, you know, a few days shy of 10 years sober now. And um, the, you know, I, and like now a lot of the work kind of reflects, is me reflecting on like both those days and where I am now in my career. And I, I like to think that my, my work has become a lot more, sure, it's, it's a little nihilistic. Sure, it's a little cynical. You know, it's a, a combination of both of those things, but like it's sometimes the work can also be strangely optimistic and um, the optimism is subtle, but I, I like to think it's there. And um, I think, you know, those are universal narratives that everyone kind of in one form or another identifies with. And so they see it and may, maybe it's also because of like, I mean, like, let's, let's call it, let's just say it like certain artists when you've been around for as long as they have been and have been able to be consistent as long as they have been, they develop followings and, you know, people are kind of gambling on you. They are investing in you because they believe that, you know, in the long run, the work that you're going to be doing will be worth something, you know, in, in, in the long run. Um, and, you know, so they, they might, maybe they buy because they also see what you're doing is an investment and, you know, kudos to them too. You know, like I, you know, I, you know, there's, there, I think a lot of people kind of have like these love, hate, uh, these like mostly hate relationships with like flippers. Um, and I personally don't have any issues with them. It's like, you know, if you're willing to pay the price that the, 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 the going price of the work um, in the hopes of being able to turn around and like sell, resell it for at a profit, you know, that's your gamble, man. <laughs> you know, like, <clears throat> and like, you know, flippers are, flippers in my eyes 
are like secret cheerleaders for the artists. You know, they're really hoping that, you know, the, the piece that they buy will, you know, have a, you know, great resell value. So they want you to succeed. And so, I mean, what's any different than, you know, people that play the stock market? Everyone, I mean, they, there's terms for it, you know, out there, uh, how they double down or, you know, um, you know, make prop, make big profit. Like it's not, it's, you have to, you know, it's not like you want to invest a hundred dollars and make a hundred dollars. They want to invest a hundred dollars and make $10,000. Right. And so, um, there's nothing unique to that. I, I, you know, first, um, thank you for sharing that. Congratulations. Um, on, on 10 years of sobriety, like, um, as a, you know, I've been sober now for two, two and a half years. And, and I know that a lot of your guidance, um, we had many conversations about that, but, um, you know, I, I think that it's, I found, uh, your work to be also self-reflecting reflection of myself at some point. So maybe that's where we found a a deep connection, Mm -hmm. but I'm talking about flippers because, um, I don't know how many people resell one-time run um, prints, but I know that the there's a base of our of our customer base that does that. And you're right. Like if somebody wants to make a business out of doing that, actually, I, I talked to a, a, a customer of ours um, who's been collecting from us uh, for nearly since we started today, and he has a website. Mm. And he um, he had a big office, and he's downsized, and he's now put it all on his website. He has mm. some pieces um, from artists that we work with that he got from other. Um, publishers or other, you know, exhibitions that they did. It's not all exclusively one-time run artwork, but I was really fascinated that he actually put up a website, categorized it, labeled it, and he has his own website reselling stuff. And some of them I think are worth way more than they originally sold for. And so, I mean, if I looked at his investment as a whole, like, Mm -hmm. I think he's up. The problem is he has to, he has to be able to sell it. And that's sometimes becomes, you know, any, anything you own something and you want to get max value for it, what's it, what happens? It just takes a little longer to sell it. Yeah. Yeah. But I love that because, you know, again, like, uh, if we think about collecting in the, when you're in the moment. So the other day I signed up, um, for Greg, Mike has some text alerts now. So I signed mm-hmm. up for it. Boom. I got a text, came out with a Tom and Jerry sculpture toy, what, what have you. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it was a hundred of them and I bought it through the text message. Right. And boom, I was on his website and I checked out and I just looked on eBay a little while later, you know, I'm not going to, I don't, I'm not going to sell it, you know, but right. I looked and it was like, it was, it was selling for two to two and a half times its value and it's sold out. Right. So right. I was started thinking about that. And, you know, so me as a, as a publisher, as somebody originates collectibles, mm-hmm. I was really interested to know, like, what is my purchase worth? Right. Right. Sure. And I think that what I, I paid three fifty and now it's worth six fifty or seven hundred dollars. Maybe there's fees associated to that and all that. So maybe I'm gonna make I mean, that's a good day. Yeah. Yeah. It means, you know, like it feels good to know that something that you have bought, you know, it it's it, it speaks to your instinct, right? Like it speaks to like it makes you if he says it says like, hey, you know, like I am still with it <laughs> you know i still know what's good and like what, what, what people are like are wanting you know what's 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 like you know what people are hyping around and um i think that like you know and it's it's not like the obvious hypes like you know say like a a cause piece or something like that where you know if you're ac- if you're lucky enough to get your hands on one like you know it's, that like a lottery, it's going yeah. to yeah like you're, you'll be, you're, you're going to get something that people are going, are, are thirsty for, you know? Um, but like, 
you know, to, to see something that really resonates with you and to jump on it as soon as it comes out and to know, like, like, and then to instantly like be able to see like, Oh, wow. Like I, I'm got one of these things and people are really into it and wow. Like there's like, it's being turned around. It's being flipped for twice its value, like immediately. Like that's, you know, that, that's kind of reinforces like, Hey, I know like something good when I see it. I, yeah. I, and you like make enough bets, you know, I think they work. So, and actually on this website today, it was one of your, um, the rabbit laser cut rabbit pieces that we did that you hand painted in our studio. Yeah. Um, he had it. I, I don't know what they sold for maybe 200, $250, something like that. Right. I think he was trying to sell it for 800. And I'm sure if you check eBay, there's, you know, some come up on time and time again, but um, and it's interesting. Um, I do look, you know, from time to time to time, but, um, you know, what it does is it reinforces some decisions and a uh, conversation that you and I had um, recently. And I think in the past was about, and I think we had it earlier. It's like, who do you work with? Why do you work with these people? You know, how do you choose the edition size? What do you come up with? And I think like, you know, a conversation that you and I can have as publisher and as artists. And I mean, I, I don't know how many pieces you have on the street, but it's tens of thousands, right? right. Um, not tens of thousands of, of, of paper prints, but obviously in the 3D toys and sculptures. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. I'm thinking like, what, what is your best, the guy that has the most stuff? What is it? What does this base look like? And I'm sure you see pictures of it, but my question was, <laughs> and my, not my question, but you know, my, the conversation, um, was, you know, kind of just kind of going in a direction of, of talking about, um, you know, making the tough decision of coming up with a price and addition and frequency and all of that, and that is something that I will tell everybody that you are very much in tune with. You're very, um, you're competent in your decision making and you um, don't move off of it very easily. You're like, mm -hmm. hey, this is the way it needs to be. So when I think about that, and I'm being self-reflective and I apologize, I'm meandering a little bit, is yeah. that uh, the way that you've maintained keeping value for your collectors because ultimately like we're in control. If we flood the market, we're going to drop the value. If we suffocate the market, we might drive the value up. Like there's ways in which you can kind of like, I don't know, maybe hypothetically control it or emotionally control it, or maybe it's gutter intuition, but like, that's something that you, we really think about, right? You care, like you're oh. like super hyper-conscious about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I mean, yeah, like, I, yeah, I, you know, if I feel like I can be able to, for the rest of my life, do bi-monthly or monthly print releases, I would, but I don't think I can. I think that, like, it's smart to space things out. It, you, want to you want the demand to be higher than, you know, the availability. <laughs> That's just, like, natural. Um, that's one on one, right? To, you want more demand than product. That's that's the first thing. For yes, and then like you know, like like we 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 do we we do like try different things. We, we you know we we you know we've had like I said we've had prints that like were not as successful, and we've had prints that were like highly successful, and like that's you know also like. A, a bit of like kind of like trying things out seeing you know you know how people are responding because like sometimes you got to do that you can't expect to just do home runs every freaking day every freaking time you know you gotta like see like what people are are really resonating with and 
you know, like, and the conversation is both ways, definitely, because, you know, on one hand, yes, I definitely have, like, my ideas and my, like, my strong feelings about things, but then, like, you'll kind of come in and, like, part of the, the, those feelings are based also on, like, what you know your collector base is, you know, responding to and, you know, what price brackets do best, um, do best with, with that collector base. And, you know, we kind of go in and we, it's a, it's a collaborative process. You know, we need to like, I mean, like, yeah, I would love to like sit around and sell $8,000 silkscreen prints like cause does, but like, it's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, like we just, we, we have, we had to look honestly and sincere, like honestly at what the collector base is. And I'm also very interested in like selling to people who are new. I don't want to scare them off with like really expend overly uh, super highly priced stuff. Like, um, and um, you know, it's about fostering a collector base. You know, one of the things that I am I, I usually think about is like most collectors will buy maybe one to three pieces from you in your entire career, and you you know, one sure you'll get like the occasional person who will buy a lot more than that, but you gotta keep like attracting new collectors to to what you're doing to your work and um i uh it, it that, that that's just something that like i am you know you know i i i i'm not sure how to play well but i've been lucky in that like what i've been doing has you know been able to kind of keep a a consistent flow of collectors coming in and supporting and buying and, you know, um, and yeah, I, 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 I don't know how I'm doing it. I, maybe it's just instinct, but you know, it's, I, I've been lucky. It's been, it's been working out. I, I always kind of feel that like luck, especially like if your career is similar to my career, um, like luck plays a, a huge role in, you know, the general success of um, what I do. Like, I'm not, not to diminish any of the hard work or potential talent or whatever, like that goes into it. But like, you know, in something like in these modern days, you know, to get something like that, like, you know, out there and onto in, in front of eyes and, to get that a positive response from it, like a sincere positive response for it, you know, you kind of have to be a little lucky, you know, especially with like, all these weird algorithms that like are playing in, um, you know, like I, I still don't really know the, the, the social media game. Um, it's kind it's a tough one uh, to, to, to keep up with. Like I, I, I feel like I've got a pretty humble, but solid, follower base um on, on my social media it's not like a an outs i mean it's a big number but it's not like you know like some of these other like instagram artists who have like two hundred and fifty thousand followers or whatever and um you know i'm i'm grateful for everyone who 
like takes a second to like comment or to like or to you know show any degree of support to what I'm doing and it's um because like I know how I look at like Instagram like I just kind of flip through it and not like once in a while like if something really speaks to me I'll like it you know and it's not because I'm being like or if I see a friend's post and like I like what you know and I want to be supportive I'll, I will like you know their their posts too it's not that I'm trying to like be you know picky or like you know be a dick about my likes you know on Instagram but it's just you know I'm just you know I I, I I'm, you know, I don't spend a lot of time on that, that app. Yeah. I actually kind of, I kind of hate Instagram. I <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's a really annoying, you know, piece of social media. Um, but, um, you know, I, 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 this kind of goes back to like, you know, treating the fans, you know, and the, the supporters, you know, with, you know, well, you know, because, you know, again, and again, it goes back to like, cause that's how I'd want to be treated. You know, if I took the time to, you know, support someone else. I mean, that's amazing. Um, I mean, those are words to live by, I think, in any profession or, you know, no profession at all. I think just, you know, doing good and being good to others is is really um, the key. I think, you know, this is this is where we're at and and uh, really lucky. I think we, you know, we kind of um, little went over in our time today, but essentially <laughs> what we just talked about, which is really interesting for everybody that's kind of tuning in, is that uh, this is a kind of encapsulation of our conversations that we've had over the last 10 years. Yes, um, yes. And even more consolidated over the last, well, you know, not a year or so ago, this last time we saw each other in person, but we spent mm-hmm. all that time in the residency and uh, we really um, spent time together um, talking about these things, collectors, flippers, bootlegging, um, your work, uh, how it relates to society and your experiences. And so I really thank you for sharing that with everybody. And, um, and thanks for joining me today. I mean, it was, it was great to see you in person. And, uh, you know, I miss, I, miss, uh, I miss the times where we were able to kind of like, you know, go to the Coney together. Actually, like, spend, like uh, hang out face to face and stuff like that. I Thank you very much uh, Jesse and to everyone at 1X Run and who had been with 1X Run uh, congratulations on 10 years and that's uh, quite a feat not very many like I'm sure like when you first started like you know like you probably saw like there's a lot going on and you've just seen things get rooted in and get weeded out and you know then more people coming through and you know to have been consistent and to work with such a wide base of artists and collectors you know that's uh that that's something to be proud about man congratulations thank you man appreciate it Thanks for listening, everyone. This podcast is produced and edited by Connor Anderson, and the intro music was composed by DJ Des Andres. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.